Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today I'm joined by Raiders legend Terry Campisi. Terry goes through his entire career starting, you know, from his childhood growing up down there in Canberra. Obviously, he's the nephew of Wallabies legend David Campisi. So rugby union was his first love. He obviously ended up in league making his debut for the Canberra Raiders. Talks about the lead up to that game. Obviously, with his last name, there was plenty of eyes on him. He'd been a junior that comes through with a heap of talent. So to finally get his chance at first grade, massive day for him. Uh, he talks about during his career how he almost ended up at the Melbourne Storm. Uh, would have been a crazy turn of events if he ended up there. So much talent. Terry Campisi just would have been incredible in that system. Talks about his New South Wales debut where he first met Craig Bellamy um, and his experiences with Craig Bellamy. He was only with him for a week or two, but um, I'll let Terry tell that story. But there was a few things that really took him by surprise about Craig Bellamy and the way he approaches his coaching. Of course, we had the record-breaking afternoon. I believe it was against the Panthers where Terry just went to another level. Uh, he had an opportunity to take a shot at goal right in front to even up with Mal Meninga's record for most points in a game for the Canberra Raiders and he handed the kick over to um, I think it was young Mark Herbert to take the kick and he speaks about why he did that um, just such a humble champion bloke you know obviously didn't want his name next to Mal Meninga as one of the all time greats now an immortal of our game says a lot about him uh, he speaks about his injuries he obviously had a heap of injuries which eventually ended his career and how he came back from all of those you will not believe the injury run Terry Campisi had so unfortunate he talks about life after he's got his own charity he's doing some fantastic things outside of the game and he still lives and breathes it still coaching a footy side himself just a fantastic guy and a chat that I can't wait to share with you let's kick it off finds Campisi Campisi with the dummy he hasn't scored one all year Terry Campisi he gets his first for 2010 and the green machine is rolling in camera welcome on Terry how are you mate Good, mate. Um, yeah, just a, another day in, in COVID at the moment. Can't wait to get back to the office. When are you back in the office? Yeah, we, um, we've we set up. I uh, had to put a plan for early this week, so we're back in office as of Monday and looking forward to it. I'm actually um, doing a bit of bushfire recovery at the moment for our local council. And, um, yeah, face-to-face is always uh, a lot easier and a lot better. And, you know, especially the remote community that we work in, a lot of people don't have uh, internet access, so um, the way that they communicate is face-to-face, so they're looking forward to it and, and getting back out there. It's been a nightmare uh, six months for your community down there. Oh, mate, this, it's unheard of. You would, if you would have said this a year ago or you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, that this was going to happen for, for our community, um, they would have laughed at you. So, yeah, so what happened with us is, you know, Longer than 12 months ago, drought drought hit. So our community was hit with, with pretty pretty major drought. And the, the fires started in our area first in November. And then we had uh, floods. So after the fires, those rains hit and they hit pretty hard. And, and a lot of our um, local community were 
pretty much held hostage to their land. The, the, the floods eroded the land, flooded the bridges. So we're doing some community outreach and some, some members couldn't even come to that because they were stuck in their houses from flood wow. and obviously COVID. So it's just been, you know, um, I feel sorry for, for the community and, you know, want to do as much as possible and, and, and help wherever we can because it's, it's just devastating what's happened. Queanbeyans are the community that you grew up in too, isn't it? Yes, I was born and bred. Um, pretty much lived here my whole life and just moved to England for those couple of years to play for the Rovers. But other than that, I've, I've, yeah. I believe, you, uh, I believe you played league and union as a young bloke, yeah? Yeah, so um, grew up uh, playing both. And, you know, pretty much until I was 18, I chose union. If they, if they, if they fell on the same day or I had a tournament coming up, It'd always be rugby union over league, and it wasn't until you know I left school in two thousand and um, two that I had a decision to make whether it would be um, you know Raiders or Brumbies or, or move to Sydney and, and follow my union dream up there. But at that that time in my life, I was loving rugby league, playing for the Queanbeyan Blues, um, and yeah, decided to go with the Raiders. And you know, best decision I ever made. I absolutely loved what I did and and who I played with and the mates I met in the club, you know, I, um, you know, loved them growing up and, uh, yeah, loved them even more and, and still do now. I'm just a mad Raiders tragic, like, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the community. They've got one hell of a fan base, mate. I, I imagine when you, uh, when you did choose league with a last name like, uh, Cam Peasy, there would have been a few eyebrows raised. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, my uncle probably <laughs> raised the, 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 the the biggest eyebrows, you know, uh, he wanted me to follow Union. He wanted me to move up to Sydney. He offered me to, to live with him in Sydney and, and play for the Waratahs. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't what I was enjoying most at that time. And, you know, he's he was probably the one who instilled this, you know, little phrase the most is just follow follow what you love. Don't play for money. You know, play for the, for the love of it. And, you know, he followed that through his whole career. He had offers to go other places for massive cash, but, Stayed, um, stayed where he loved and you know, playing for Ram with New South Wales and, and places like that. I know, um, yeah, so he instilled that into me and that's what I did, followed me heart and yeah, ended up at the, the, the green machine. God, he was one hell of a footballer, wasn't he? Yeah, he doesn't mind telling you either. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Terry, you know, we see bloke in a bar, Denim Kemp up there doing his thing and he's really brought the goosey back in. And of course, you know, your uncle, he was the original king of the goosey, wasn't he? Yeah, he was actually. Yeah, I'm still yet to see him um, feature on that. I think, um, yeah, old Denham should, should be at the moment actually and put some clips up of him doing it now or, or even some, some old footage of him. He should be on the uh, Mount Rushmore of the old Goosey, I think. He, he was special. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to you know to grow up in, a, in an era where rugby union was massive. There was a huge rivalry between Australia and New Zealand and um, yeah, just travelling around to follow follow my uncle and, and watch him play. It was, it was pretty exciting times. And that's probably the main reason why I love Union growing up was because he was playing and, and the Wallabies were, you know, that was the era of the Wallabies and the, the great rivalry. Joan Lomu and um, Andrew Mertens, um, you know, players like that, Carlos Spencer. So, yeah, it was exciting times. But, um, yeah, as, as things change in life, and so did my desire to play play union and, and move to league. You obviously had your illustrious career in rugby league, but did you ever almost jump back over the fence to rugby union at any point? 
Close. Um, during my time, there was only two times when I almost left the Raiders. Um, yeah, one was in a, in a con, contract kind of, um, you know, it was, it was well advertised at the time. Raiders decided to, to chase Trent Barrett. Um, that was the time when I was off contract. So uh, almost left that time. And the, the, the team I was you know, very, very close to signing with was the Melbourne Storm. So that was one, one time. And uh, the other time was a pretty lucrative deal in, in Japanese rugby. Um, I had knocking on at my door when I, um, in the 2008 season, um, which was probably, you know, my best. I uh, had the yeah, Japanese rugby knocking at the door and that was uh, the only other time where, you know, I was, I was you know, contemplate leaving. Um, but other than that, there was, yeah, nothing would have um, forced me or, or got me interested to leave. I know you're uh, Raiders through and through, but if you were going to leave, landing in Melbourne would have been an all right gig. Yeah, yeah, looking back there, you know, who sometimes you sit and think, you know, there's no regrets whatsoever, you know, never regret staying at the Raiders. And, you know, I'm a pretty loyal, loyal person um, in my, you know, day to day life and, and everything I do do. So, yeah, Melbourne, you know, you sometimes you think back and you have a few beers and you have a chat to the boys and, you know, what well, wonder where my career would have went if I did go. But, you know, other than that, it's, yeah, no regrets whatsoever. Couple of premierships and a uh, and a new boat wouldn't have gone astray just quietly. <laughs> yeah, a couple of boats, you know, who 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 would have known? A new car would have been nice. <laughs> Tell me about uh, your debut for Canberra, two thousand and four. You come up against Penrith, they're the uh, defending premiers from the year before. Uh, baptism of fire. Yeah, it was um, it come earlier than than first thought. I was close in two thousand three. I was on the standby list with Matty Elliott a couple of times, but um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't to be that year. We ended up winning the comp for reserve grade. Um, yeah, and then 2004, I think, um, who was it? Brad Drew might have been injured. So I um, got the early call-up. I think it was round two. Defending premiers, I was there at the grand final year before with the Raiders. So I got to watch watch them, them live. Um, and they were now on fire, actually. They had Pulatua, Nullavia. They were the back rollers. And that's when they had the big frizzy hair. And they were just going... Going wild, just running through blokes and bashing blokes. So, um, yeah, I remember walking to Maddie's office and he had the, the, the video footage of those two running, uh, running wild on his screen. He just said, oh, what, what's your thoughts of, of trying to tackle these guys? I went, oh, you know, um, shit myself, really, and said, yeah, mate, I'll give it a go. You know, um, he goes, yeah, because that's definitely your job this week. So, yeah, it was chuffed and um, couldn't wait to get out there. It was, it was a close game to start with and then they ran away for the last 20, I think it was. But, you know, something that you always remember putting on that green jumper for the first time. And I think I had, you know, 80, 80, 80 friends and family turn up, obviously being from Queenman just across the border. So we had truckloads of people coming over and just to, to see all the hard work over, over the years and all the people who dedicated, you know, volunteer time coaching and doing the extra work with you. Um, putting a smile on all, all, everyone's faces. It's, it's just a, a very special feeling and, and moment of your life. I assume you had to do a bit of uh, extra media considering your last name. Did there, Was there plenty of stories coming out and comparisons and whatnot? Uh, it wasn't really, actually. I was pretty lucky to stay away from all of that, you know, pretty much through, through my, my career. There wasn't you know, too many comparisons or um, it was more just about, you know, um, 
how he felt, how David felt about me playing rugby league. They were the main questions at the time. So other than that, it was, it was actually, uh, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, the big one was just, you know, just um, what, what he thoughts are, you playing rugby league and hopefully, and the, the, they were just more comments, you know, hopefully you can tackle better than him, you would tackle more in rugby <laughs> league. But other than that, it, um, it, was, it was pretty quiet. Play a handful of games across 2004 and 2005. I guess it's uh, 2007 that you really uh, make yourself a mainstayer in that team. Tell me about that season. Yeah, so um, yeah, like you said, I was in and out. I was top 25, and then 2006, I think I was um, completely. So I was out of the top 25, and then I was contemplating, you know, um, whether to give the game up or continue. But you know, I love, I love playing competitive sport and rugby league and being at the Raiders so stuck around and they're lucky enough um got me opportunity in 2007 and there was Neil Henry was coach and I can remember having the conversation there was a, I was I actually started 2007 you know playing some of my best football which you know a lot of people refer to 2008 but 2007 in my eyes I, it was the confidence that I needed I think there was a stage where I had won three out of the five men of the matches out of five of the games I played in a row. And then I was dropped on the sixth game. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. I was thinking, how does someone, you know, win three men of the matches out of five and then be dropped? And um, it, was a, it was a huge hit, you know, to my confidence and, and how I felt about the game and, and everything. And um, I just thought, you know, you know as, you, as you do, all the things come in your head. But... Um, Stuck with it and lucky enough was to um, you know, become a, a permanent fixture in, in the team. What was your uh, what was your relationship with Neil Henry like? Um, you know what it was it was it was all right. Uh, <laughs> you know it was it was one of those you know um, ones where you had to fight hard. He was a, definitely a hard trainer. He, he put you through your paces. You know in the pre seasons. Um, and he, he was big on communication. So everything you did, you had to talk in the gym. Um, you turn off the music. You have to count your reps out and, and, and little things like that. It took a, a little bit of a adapting to it. But, um, yeah, I thought he got the best He got the best out of me for more football. So, you know, when it, when it comes to that, you know, it's, it was uh, – I've been coached by him. And I think, I think the turning point for Neil's coaching at the Raiders was the day that he signed with, with the Cowboys. Um, in 2008, he signed with Cowboys. Everyone was disappointed. People were blowing up. You know, um, he had signed with the Raiders for so long, and then backflipped and went with Cowboys. But he had to do the best for his family. And then from then on, we clicked into gear. I think we went bad in 2008, eight straight or ten straight, uh, leading to the semi-finals. So um, that was when it was like a big weight off his shoulder. You could feel it. You could feel it in the group when he signed with the Cowboys. It was like a lot of pressure that had been relieved from him and the way he coached us was kind of like free-flowing football and, you know, it definitely suited the team at the time and um, we were scoring points left, right and centre. So we were, we were a really good attacking team at that time. 2008 rolls around and your uh, your halves partner is Todd Carney. Uh, we all know how that unfortunately ends for TC, but it definitely opens a door for you, doesn't it? Yeah, I was disappointed. I was really good mates with Toddy, still is, uh, still are. Incredible talent. You know, you obviously won a Dally M a few years later at the Roosters, but just um, gave me an opportunity, uh, opened up a door, and it was almost it was almost um, a position where I, I knew I couldn't be 
I couldn't be dropped because there was really no one, not many others in line to play in the half. So it um, just gave me the world of confidence. I could try what I wanted and do what I wanted without the fear of getting tapped on the shoulder and booted out of the team. So, um, yeah, just went on leaps and bounds from, from then on. And, um, yeah, I think confidence is, is huge in the, in the game of football in any sport. So um, that's, what I was, that's what I was rolling with and just, you know, kept playing week to week with with all the confidence in the world and it definitely um, showed in, in my uh, performances on the field. I'm sure you uh, you missed Todd um, on the field, but he must have left a pretty big hole off the field too, just quietly. Huge hole. No, uh, <laughs> you're in a team, of, you're in a, you know, in, in a squad of 30 blokes, so there's definitely still the, the guys who like to enjoy themselves off the field. So um, there's no hole left off, off the field. There's, yeah, you still have had some pretty big personalities who loved going out and having a beer after me being one. <laughs> who were the uh, who were the other big players in the late two thousands down in Canberra? Holy moly, who wasn't? We've had some. <laughs> we've had a we've had a fair crew, haven't we? Uh, you go back over, you know, from the from the start when I first started. Yeah, you Jason Croker's, Luke Devico, Slim Chafoski's, players like that who just you know good time. Charlie's uh, love to to um, enjoy success. Especially when you win, you go out and celebrate. You know, me for one knows that 100 percent with injuries. You never know when you're going to get cursed with the bloody, you know, with your injuries. So you got to enjoy every moment. And then, and then you go through. You've got your your Toddies, Joel's, uh, Joel Monaghan. You've got Dane Tills, Butsy, uh, Joel Thompson. The, the list goes on. You know, you've got Dugs and Fergo players at the club who just you know loved um, catching up and, and socialising outside of footy. So pretty much. Nearly every single player love to do that. And that's the good thing about Canberra is that it's such a, a tight, knit little community that um, a lot of players come from out of town and, and um, you know, footies their life on and off the field. So um, everyone just yeah, seems to catch up. And, um, yeah, so the Sydney clubs is a bit harder. They, they're spread out. Brisbane, the same. They're all spread out. So they don't catch up as much. But Canberra's always been close and like brothers. And you can see how tight-knit the crew is now at the moment as well. They, they're forever playing golf together and catching up for food and feed. So it's um, it's a great place to uh, play your footy. Mate, I've asked that question to a few former players and Jason Croker, he seems to be a pretty uh, usual <laughs> suspect there just quietly. He doesn't miss. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a legend on the field and off it. So um, And he's a good man to be around. So everyone enjoys his company. So he's always you know one of the first to to um, get the invite, or if not, he's the one sending out the invites to, to catch up for a beer. But, yeah, he definitely enjoys, enjoys a, um, a frothy after a game. Mate, let's fast forward to round 22, 2008. I'm sure one of the highlights of your career. You, you have a pretty handy afternoon out. Four tries, 10 goals, 36 points. Up on the right side of the bed. Yeah, I was well, yeah, I woke up on the right side of bed and then as soon as I stepped outside, uh, the last thing I wanted to do was play football. I don't know if you, if, if everyone can remember that day. It was bloody freezing. I can remember getting to the game all rugged up and we were in the, in the, just about to go out for warm-up. We seen Penrith. I was actually against Penrith, which is um, a pretty good day against them. But they were in the, in the tunnel, warming up in the tunnel in their tracksuit pants and um, jumpers and stuff like that. And you're thinking... Jesus Christ, they're going to find it hard when they go out there. And we used to train up, warm up on the top field at Canberra Stadium, the old AIS track. But it's snowing and I can remember it hitting me hands and the boys were just like shivering. It was like one of the coldest days I've ever played football. 
we're just going, how? We're just got to get through this. We've got 80 minutes to get through. It wasn't, let's get out there and, and put everything out on the field and, and um, make sure we get the win. It was just, <laughs> let's get through it so we can warm up and not get too sick. But uh, I think Penrith scored the first trial to in that game. And then and then after that, it was just pretty much everything we touched turned to gold, all the, the bounce of the balls coming our way. And I think Dave Milne and Trevor Thurlin and Alan Tung, everyone just you know, blitzed it that day, which which helped, helped my cause. And yeah, Penrith, they just didn't really want to be there. It might have been too cold for them and they were, they were worried about getting in the dressing shed. So um, yeah, lucky, lucky for us that we were on the right end of the scoreboard. You scored 36 points that day. I believe you had an opportunity to score 38 points with a kick in front. You turned it down. Explain that to me. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's on the front of your mind, is it? How many points you've got and, you know, what records are out there and, you know, now I'm 38 points. What what happened was, um, yeah, we obviously we scored closer to post. Kind of aware of, of, of where we're sitting with um, points tallies and young, young Herbie, it was, um, I think, one of his really um, early games in first grade. So, yeah, um, myself and Tungy decided to give him the kick. And, um, yeah, the rest is history, really. Um, yeah, we got told about it when he when the ball was on the mound, about the Mount Meninga record. And, yeah, I just, I didn't, I could have rushed over and, and taken it and equaled his record. But, you know, also um, to a club legend, it was, you know, I, I was more than happy to give it to Herbie and, and um yeah, not not equal the record because he's done a lot more for the club and and definitely earns that and well deserved um, that record by himself. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely nothing that I regret. The chance again, I'd give Herbie the kick. So it was just yeah, one of those things and still some confidence in the in the young lad. I assume uh, you've seen the tape of Mal Meninga playing that day. He had spiders on him, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, it was almost like our whole squad against Penrith, but. Um, yeah, if I was a centre marking up against him, he would have spiders for that whole game also. I would have got out of his way too, no doubt. You finished that 2008 season, you know, as you said before, everyone talks about 2008 season, 25 try assists, 10 tries yourself, you played 25 games. You were rewarded with a Kangaroos jersey at the end of that season. Explain that feeling to me. Yeah, um, it was just like everything just kept coming to us that year. I was, um, you know, obviously disappointed in the, in the semi-finals, how we were knocked out, but in the off-season, um, Joel Monaghan being a, a really good mate. We are just cruising around in the car one day. Um, I was getting married later that, that year, so a, a lot of preparations for that and getting ready. And um, yeah, had the had the phone calls in the car with Joel at the time and both got the nod. So uh, it was pretty exciting times. Um, and we both sat in the car ringing our families and just hearing excitement on both families um, in both their voices, it was, you know, it was goosebump kind of um, times and, and moments and something that you always remember sharing a special moment with a great mate and also um, calling families together. So, yeah, that happened and, and lucky enough to play in the World Cup and tour with the bloody absolute legends of the game, you know, Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, Darren Lockyer, there was Israel Flower, Jared Hayne, the, um, yeah, the Jonathan Thurston. So, to spend six to seven weeks with these guys in camp was, um, yeah, awesome. Um, something that you'll, you'll forever remember. Um, and just, yeah, as my career went, I got injured in that tournament, played against Papua New Guinea, got a poke in the eye after 17 minutes. And, 
that was it. Tournament done for me. I had to stay in, in the in the bedroom for a week and a half. Curtains down, no light let in. So um, my roomie was Scotty Prince at the time. So he used to go down and even get me food and bring me food up. So it was pretty. Uh, yeah, it ended. It ended bad, but it was, it was such a great experience. You said you are. Uh, you got the phone call when you were in the car with Joel Monahan. Who uh, who got the call first? Um, it was actually yeah, it was actually our manager. I'm pretty sure rang us both, um, and we both got the text. We both we both had kind of word from our manager that we were going to be there. So we'll scroll on through the social medias within that five minutes. But then um, yeah, old Ricky Stewart rang, and I think it was me first, and and then I just mentioned that Joel was with us, and he goes, "Yep." Yeah, We'll chuck him on, and he was. <laughs> saved <laughs> Thank him, God, <laughs> saved him forty cents. He would have turned into um uh, oncoming traffic if you were the only one that got a bait there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A year later, you uh you get caught up for your Origin debut, two thousand and nine in Melbourne. Um, how'd you find out that you'd been selected to play Origin? Uh, yeah, Craig Bellamy was coach at the time, so he he did the call around. Um, didn't start the year too well, so I wasn't. Expecting a phone call, I didn't think I would be in the side, but yeah, well, they gave me a, a shot, uh, short-lived, um, but you know, got to tick that off. It was probably, um, it probably wasn't, an, it actually probably wasn't an origin what I, what I expected, to be honest. It was in Melbourne, we're out of town, um, you hear so many stories of, of origin from back in the days, bonding sessions and, and likes, but yeah, it was, it was very low key. The, um, this um, Origin camp and, and the first game, so it was, it was definitely what I expected. But you know, just another great opportunity, and, and um, yeah, yeah, Origin, and always wanted to play. And obviously, New South Wales tragic as well. So um, yeah, it would have been good to be there longer and, and yeah, play more consistent. I could be wrong, but that was the origin where after it, all the swine flu rubbish blew up, wasn't it? Um, to be honest, I don't know. I didn't leave my bedroom after being dropped for a couple of weeks. Nah, on yeah, not 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 too sure. I was uh, yeah, can't can't really remember to be honest. But you know, I I thought I was hard done by to be honest. If you go back and even watch Origin now, which I have a couple of times now, I think I made thirty odd tackles, didn't miss one tackle. Um, I set up a couple. I set up. One or two of the tries, you know, uh, hit Jared Hain on a on the wing where he. That's that controversial one where they disallowed the try where they said he was on the line. I, I don't know if you can remember that. But yeah, the uh, the back of his heel. Yeah, the back of his heel. That's right. So that was that game. So if he scores that, we pretty much go on a win, I think. Uh, and then I had Michael Jennings as my centre through the whole second half and torn his calf, so he never wanted the ball. So I just stayed away from it. It's pretty hard to attack without your centre. So. Yeah, I thought I was done by, but yeah, that's my opinion, and that's why there's selectors out there. So, I believe uh, Peter Wallace was your halves partner there. Did he get retained for game two? Yeah, so that was the conversation I had with Craig Bellamy when he rang me to tell me that um, that I was dropped. Was Peter Wallace uh, was the one that they kept because of the previous year? So he was in the side that the. the the previous year, and um, they said that they'd give him another shot because he was. I think they won or won the game that he played the year before. But yeah, so they gave him the second chance, and then that's why uh, they went with that. Who um who came in for you in game two? Um, good question. I can't even remember now. Um, I can't. I can't remember. I can just remember being. Uh, what was it Jamie Howard? Maybe 
Might have been Jamie Seawards. Thought he might have uh, been on your dartboard at home. Uh, so isn't never offence to all that stuff. It's you know there's there's people in the in the process to to select the teams and they make the decision and yeah there's never ever a hard feeling because you could have an argument as you would know as anyone would know Queensland New South Wales fans every Origin year it is three weeks of just everyone putting in their favourite team and who should be here who shouldn't be but you know there's a case for everyone there's a case uh, for three or four different halves combinations every single year and. Until you win, it's um, it's open every week. Exactly. Yeah. How did you um? How did you find working with Craig Bellamy? Yeah, well, it was like I said, it was a pretty low key. It was um, only short lived, really. So I was only you know for a week that we were in camp for, and uh, there was a, there was definitely a lot of wrestle. I can remember that. I can remember just going, "Holy moly, this is you know we've done a bit of wrestling at the Raiders, but nothing to the extent what we did in Origin camp." So. Um, you, you, I definitely knew, took out of that camp why, why Melbourne was so good at wrestling and why they dominated the ground for so many years because they were, they were just they did so much of it. And that's the the big one I took out of, of camp was how much we did. Did you feel like the other blokes in the squad were a bit shocked by how much wrestling you did? Like was Canberra behind the times then, or was Melbourne just so far in front of everyone? I think Melbourne was just so far in front. Um, even wrestling, even the Melbourne boys that come to the Raiders, Brett White, Glenn Turner's plays like this, when we did wrestling, they just absolutely tore us to pieces on the ground. It was, um, it's, it's one of those things where it's not the strongest or the biggest guys who win wrestling. It's, the, it's all the technique stuff. And they just, they got it drilled and drilled into them. Um, but they were, they were just so good. But I think now that the teams are, are catching up and everyone's got wrestling coaches and stuff like that now. So, you know, even even at the Queensland Blues, where I am now, part time football club, we have a wrestling coach. Yeah, right. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a new world. Did you feel like in that series, Craig Bellamy, like obviously it would have been a target for you guys to stop Cameron Smith and Billy Slater. Do you feel like even him coaching them fucking five days a week, even he had any insight of how to slow them down? Yeah, he didn't. Um, yeah, it was just they they're just so. So good, and the, the thing about the, the Melbourne Storm, I, I took out of that camp was they just repetition, repetition. So with the wrestling, they just did it every day for an hour, bang, and that, it just comes second nature. Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, um, they just they just repetition their moves. You can see some of the, the moves that they do, um, or they were doing, sorry, um, each and every week. You can just tell they spend hours and hours on those, and they just become second nature they, they knew how each other however each other thought so um, and when you're fatigued you know, later in games you know 60 minute 70 minute mark you're not thinking oh they got this move that they did and you watched 100 videos of it you, you, you're blowing out your backside and your last thing you want to all you're thinking about is getting back on side and making the next tackle and then next minute they pull this move out that they've been working on for weeks and weeks so it's almost it was almost impossible to, to stop them at, at that time of their career and um, that's why they were the best and that's why Melbourne were so good as well because um, it's practice and practice and they were so professional and um, they definitely taught a lot of people and a lot of teams how to how to train you could argue that Craig Bellamy dug his own grave to some extent as an origin coach couldn't you yeah I think um, you know Craig I think he needed more than just a week with the team. I reckon if he had an origin team at the start of the year and he could, you know, work with them um, as much as what Queensland worked with their, you know, with their players, then he would have 
absolutely killed it. But because it was short lived, and it's hard to to change people and their their perspective and you know their um, mindset in a week. I reckon if he had longer, he would have dominated. Let's fast forward to 2010. Now uh, you got a qualifying final against the Panthers, and I believe it was one of the most unbelievable weeks of your life. Tell me about it. Yeah, crazy. I was um, only on radio this morning, actually, and told this you know similar story. So, um, yeah, so 2010, another cracking back end of the year. It was, it was kind of um, starting to come second nature every second year. So, you know, 2008, 2010, 2012, Raiders would go on. Um, a They're still doing course. it. No, no, they're still doing it. Yeah, so we, we um, played Penrith. Um, about to have my firstborn baby Jew or she was Jew and I think we played Friday night the Friday night time slot the baby was due any time or might have been even even over at that stage so it was like well, whole we've got the biggest one of the biggest games of my career coming up and I've got the biggest you know off field ever happens is your firstborn so um, discussions with the, the wife and yeah, she decided to get in juice, so I didn't miss the burp or didn't miss football. So the team flew up, drove up to, busted up to Sydney on the Wednesday, I think it was. So when the, when they were busting it up, I was um, at, the, at the hospital getting in juice with the wife. So she got in juice on the Wednesday. I went home uh, late Wednesday night and get a phone call in the morning first thing that yeah, she's going into labour. So flew out to the hospital and... Uh, I sat there and, and uh, yeah, my firstborn was coming to the world on the Thursday and then, yeah, drove up to Sydney on the Friday to play the game. Yeah, so it was, it was a pretty hectic 48 hours and, you know, living off off um, living off living no sleep, but just, um, yeah, just high on life, really. So it was, a, it was pretty amazing and we put in a, a pretty pretty awesome performance against Penrith up there, which was, you know, I think they were first and we'll wait. So it was... Um, unheard of at that time and we'd come up with an awesome performance and um, they got, got a home semi the next week. Uh, that home semi the next week, you uh, you unfortunately go down to the Tigers 26-24, but um, I guess for you, the scoreline almost didn't matter, yeah? Yeah, it was, it was the turning point of my my career. Everything from there on pretty much went downhill, but um, from yeah, the best 48 hours of your life to probably the, the worst injury you know, that no one ever wants to hear that you've done your ACL happened and um, yeah, it, was a, it was a hectic week obviously back and forth from hospital with the, the newborn tickets were going on sale we we even had to go and line up to get tickets ourselves because Canberra Stadium was sold out so I had to line up and um, at Ticket Tech to, to get tickets for the family and you had to line up at Ticket Tech to get tickets for your family yeah, so we we done the we done the the round circle myself and I think it might have been Croaks actually at the time. So we went to um, university uni at uh, in Belconnen to pick some tickets up, and I think at the time we could only get ten or fifteen. So bought ten and fifteen each there. Then we went into the city to line up. So we were going we were going everywhere to pick up tickets for for everyone because um, it was pretty exciting times and everyone was at work and couldn't get there. So we. With the the um, drive around, so um, that was happening that week, and then obviously play the Tigers, and I thought, yeah, I thought we had them in the bag second half. I thought we want to run, and you could just you had that feeling that yeah, we're coming to get them. Yeah, and that was the obviously the one where um, 
we tied up at the end, but yeah, done me done me knee fifteen to go, and yeah, the rest is the rest is history. You do your rehab for the next nine odd months, and you um you come back in two thousand and eleven. Your groin goes in the very first game. I imagine that is absolute rock bottom. Yeah, well, there was there was a bit leading up to that that not not many people know of. So yeah, obviously doing my knee, coming back doing rehab, and I was just trying to you know, spend a shitloads of time in the gym. Everything was new, so. When it's done their ACL, they know the first time is everything's new. Every you know, there's obviously a procedure that you go through for your rehab. It was like four or five months in. I'm um, just trying to get massive in the gym. I was doing bench press and I bloody tore me pec doing bench, which is normally um, you know people who are on steroids tear their pec doing bench. It's, you know, and that's you know one thing I've never touched. Whatever getting on the on the juice. Um, so it was kind of an injury. What was not normal. So a grade three pec tear was the worst pain I'd ever been through in my life. Um, literally sick. I thought I was going to spew, and that 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 in its own is like you know another nine month. So I was battling two major injuries at the same time. So my knee and, and my pec at the time. And yeah, like you said, um, finally come time to um, play some football again, and you know five minutes in, not even tackle that Glenn, uh, Glenn Hall on our line. He actually goes through me because I tear me, tear me groin off the bone trying to tackle him. So I was just like, oh, here we go again. For those that don't understand, tell us how lonely is the rehab room? Oh, um, the first year was all right because it was all new to me. Um, so I was like, I was almost excited every single time it was to the next step. You know, you three-month mark, everyone knows you can straight line run. Then, you know, two weeks into that, you can start doing some change of directions. So it's, you're kind of looking forward to something, um, you know, two weeks, you can down. So you're excited for the next stage, you know, you can st- start um, jumping or whatever it might be, hopping and stuff like that. But the second time, the third time, the fourth time, it is, yeah, <laughs> it definitely gets gets depressing, um, especially when the boys are playing football. It's all right through off-season when, no one, there's no football on, so you're at the same level as everyone. It's hard when you see the, the team running out um, on the weekends and they get days off, and you're in the gym by yourself trying trying to get um, fit and healthy. So she's definitely some tough time, and I've I've reached out to so many people through through injuries, like just through Facebook or Instagram, through social media. Now, to anyone that gets injuries, I just send them a text. You know. I know you're going through them here if you ever need a chat because it, it can get it can get very lonely and um, yeah I'm, I know where they will be they might not be at that uh, mindset at that time but I can assure through a nine month period or a twelve month period that um, people will will fall on hard times so um, just just to sit down and have a chat to someone or sometimes just yeah sometimes it helps yeah. Have you uh, have you formed any friendships through current or former players through sending out one of those messages and they've got back to you? Um, well, the funny thing is, no one's no one's. Everyone always say, "Yeah, thanks" at the time, but no one's ever ever really um, never really reached out. Um, to be honest. So the, the the friendships you form are ones that you probably expect. It's always with your strength and conditioning and your physios and your rehab. You spend so much time with them that they they become your um, football family, really. So, you know, obviously you're, you're friends with them, you say good day, but you, you form um, friendships that you never probably thought you would because normally it's with your teammates and the guys that you spend 
every minute with, but um, during during rehab, it's always with um, the medical staff. So you form bonds that you you'd never thought you would. Point during that, um, you know that that time between twenty eleven and twenty fourteen odd, where you thought you'd give the game away. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still I'm still bloody playing now, mate. So <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll honestly play until I can't walk. Um, I love it. I love. I admit that I'm a, I'm a tragic. I love playing the game. I love the competitiveness of all sport. So um, yeah, I've probably missed it more than anyone during this COVID time, anyway. And um, like I said, I'll, I'll play until I yeah. You have to wheel me out there. So um, I just I also also one of the, one of the things was I just wanted to, to to show people out there that it's possible that there is you can get through an ACL injury. Um, not one, not two, but three I've had. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and sometimes it, it feels um, the, the toughest thing in the world. But yeah, you know it's only it's only the nine months, and then you can enjoy enjoy playing sport again. Mate, you uh, you leave Canberra in the end of 2014. Explain to me the uh, the circumstances there. I imagine would have been a hard decision for yourself. Yeah, it's huge. I was um, I had a year left on my contract the following year, and um, yeah, just I had an offer from overseas, which was 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 really good opportunity. Um, they just the club needed a um, one of the a half and a leader at their club, and don't know how, but my name got. Put, put forward and so they offered me a deal and I went to the club and just um, I said oh, listen you know if, if you don't see me being here past next year because I was struggling I'll admit that you know my form was nowhere near what it, what it should have been or what it could have been um, probably lack of confidence um, I lost a little fair bit of speed during all these injuries and um, yeah stuff like that so I, I knew that you know that there was the Anthony Milfords and um coming through these young guns so I thought you know if, if, if you don't see me being here past next year then is there a chance of leaving and at the time there was a lot of contract negotiations with other players and, and stuff so they asked me to hold off and that they would have me at the club the following year but um, that offer that I was offered I went back to them and told them I said listen they've asked me to hold off and they said that they couldn't wait which was fair enough and they go off and sign a couple of players, and then the Raiders come to me you know, a month or six weeks, I think it was, later, and just said, listen, you can explore some options now. And that door had closed, which was unfortunate. So it was just, um, yeah, then, then I was in that situation where I had to go and try and source another club, and it wasn't until late, late, later on where... Um, Kingston Rovers come through with a um, an opportunity, just a, only a one year deal, but um, it was an opportunity where I could go over there and prove myself and, and try and win another contract. How did you uh, How did you enjoy your time over there with the Rovers? Oh mate, yeah, it was, yeah, it was uh, loved it actually. Um, yeah, so I've come because of the opportunity, I had what was it, you know, one year to try and win another contract, and my family here at home. Uh, the wife decided that I'd go over there and focus on footy for for the first half of the year. So she was she stayed in in Australia for the first four months and just said go over there and um, you know she obviously knows the passion that I have for the game and wanted me to to, to win a, a further contract, which 
And over the first four, four months, and I actually started, you know, some of the best football I've ever played. I think there was a, a new award, first utility man of the month, they called it, player of the month, and I was the first ever recipient for that. So we were on fire. We uh, had a good house partner in Albert Kelly. He had a, a lifeline also, you know, he had some off-field dramas in Australia. Um, and we had a, a cool little, a good little Australian crew over there. And um, we just, yeah, got along like house on fire. And, um, yeah, we were playing some great footy. Knocked off Wigan, knocked off St. Helens. Um, we were on fire in a Challenge Cup. So it was, yeah, it was some great football. I was rewarded with a three-year deal um, from, from my performance. But, um yeah, as as um, everyone would know, or most people that followed me over there would know that yeah, two weeks out from a Challenge Cup final, I bloody do, do my ACL again. <laughs> you mentioned uh, you mentioned Albert Kelly there. Jeez, isn't he one hell of a talented footballer? Yeah, I've played with some. I've played with some some people who have some special skill, and um, you know, Hugo comes to mind. He's just you know, he's just got some. Something about him, just something you know, special that they can just turn a game, you know, in a second. And, and Albert Kelly's another one. Just um, some of the stuff I've seen him do on the field and off it's just you know, it just blows your mind. And yeah, they, they're um, very, very special and talented players. In 2017, you represent uh, Italy for the first time with a pretty young, young little squad there. The experience of being the um, older head in that group. As, um, They've asked me to play a few times, and um, I think the World Cup 2000, I can't even recall now what World 2015, sorry. No, nah, 2013 World Cup. So I had me that name down to that, and I was coming back from ACL injuries and only got a few games together. So I had to pull out just before they toured England. Um, so I'd been in talks with them for a fair bit um, over that time, and just when they said, when you feel comfortable in your injuries and you're not putting your clubs at, at uh, jeopardy, let us know. And it was when I was over in England that the World Cup qualifiers were on, so I was lucky enough to be already over there. I said, yeah, more than happy to play. So um, I did that, um, went and played in the World Cup qualifiers, qualified for the World Cup, and then, yeah, um, travelled around in that, in that World Cup, which was a great experience. My luck, my um, auntie passed away in the, in, in the tournament. Right, before the tournament kicked off and had to fly back to, to Canberra. So we moved the session from lunchtime to early in the morning before I flew out and tore me calf before round one. So oh my <laughs> it was <God>. just, <laughs> just my luck, uh, putting in so much hard work and was looking forward to representing, you know, the, the heritage uh, from my grandfather and missed the, the first so many rounds and then um, pretty much just strapped myself up to play against Fiji at Canberra Stadium. It was like a, um, yeah, pretty much just walked, limped out there to, to play and, yeah, put a, not a bad performance in, I guess. And, yeah, it was um, something that I'll remember also. You had a, um, he, he was pretty young then, but you had a pretty handy halves partner that day. Um, yeah, who was he? Jack Johns? <laughs> uh, no, mate. According to my records, it was uh, Teddy. He didn't play in the halves. Yeah, no, he, he, played, with... he didn't play halves. Jeez. Yeah, actually, um, that was my that was one of my speeches before the game. Actually, was um, was about Teddy because so I said there were so many opportunities that I had to play with him prior, but I always had to be pulled out. So Teddy pulled out of the Raiders. I pulled out of the World Cup in 2013. I got injured 
before we played in round one. I said, mate, I've got the only way for me to play with this bloke is to literally strap myself up and, and limp out there. And that was the opportunity, that, that game. And geez, what a special talent he is. And um, yeah, I don't think he'll ever be playing for Italy again. Mate, he's obviously had his, um, his um, injury troubles as well, like especially when he was a young bloke. Did you have any conversations with Teddy about, you know, his mindset and coming out of injuries and the experiences that you'd had? Oh, not really. We, oh, we, we, we had a laugh about his major, his big injury at the start was me clashing with me. Um, it was a Canberra Raiders Tigers game when they put Pat Richards just put those big high balls up to start the game, and um, yeah, we knee clashed, and he that was his first big one, I think, or it might have been just after his ACL that he popped his kneecap out in that in that incident. So we had a bit of a, a joke about that. But other than that, yeah, we didn't really talk too much about it. Mate, since retiring from uh, first grade rugby league, what have you been doing? Yeah, so um, millions of things. I've got, I've got my own charity, Terry Campisi Foundation, which I run, and uh, we've just pumped a fair bit of money into a sleep bus. So a sleep bus is coming to in, which uh, has about 15 sleep pods in it for people who are falling on, on rough times to um, stay out of the weather. So that will be here hopefully in July. Um, I work for the Queen Empire Regional Council. I'm currently the bushfire coordinator, which is uh, works in um, the area for all the disasters that happened from November to February with the bushfires. And Queenian Blues, mate. So I've coached Queenian Blues, just waiting to hear if what's happening with the comp this year. It's obviously um, tough times for everyone and all the clubs closing and stuff like that. It's um, up in the air whether the comp continues, but... Yeah, loving life at the moment and, and busier than ever, but um, everything revolves around sport and community work, which I absolutely love. What was the uh, what was the inspiration for the Terry Campisi Foundation? Oh, I always always loved helping community. Um, enjoyed all the hospital visits and school visits when you're at the Raiders, and in a, in a fortunate position where I could raise a bit of money, had a little bit of a, a profile where. You know, people wanted to jump on board and support. And so I thought, you know, why not put all this energy into something what I can control and what, you know, I think the community needs are. And so we set, set it up um, with a lovely lady, Pamela Slocum, who's the other director. Um, we've got a little small working group now, which has got a lad named Matt Houston and Jeremy Howe, who, who are on board as well. So we um, just do little events and little fundraisers where we raise money and, um, come up with um, some great initiatives, which, um, yeah, one being that sleep bus that I just mentioned. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's rewarding work. It's, it's a shitload of volunteer. No one's paid from the four of us. No one receives any funding. Every bit of money we get in goes straight back into the community. So it's, um, it's um, rewarding work and, you know, any little bit of difference we can make, it's, uh, yeah, worthwhile. You speak of uh, rewarding work. How are you finding the coaching gig? Love it. Love it, mate. Love it. Um, yeah, would love to. That's my passion in life is to, to you know, hopefully go through the ranks. It's there's 16 jobs in the NRL, first grade coach, and then there's only 30-odd reserve um, at, uh, assistant coaches. So you've just got to you know, hopefully get an opportunity down the track. And you know, if I keep being successful with the Blues, I've won two from three comps. So... Um, yeah, would, wouldn't mind um, getting a, a shot somewhere down the track, but you know, I'll, I'll just wait my time and 
that comes along. If not, I'll just continue with what I'm doing. Have you had any contact with uh, any other clubs outside of Canberra? Uh, no, there was a Billy, uh, Billy Bears had an interview with those guys uh, late last year. Um, Rick Stone got that job, who everyone knows Rick was a Super League coach and a coach at the Newcastle Knights. So uh, missed out there, but um, yeah, definitely, you know, keep me, um, keep me eye out for, for, for anything that comes up. Before I let you go, Terry, uh, mate, tell me who's the one half that you played against that you wish you could have played alongside? Oh, definitely a few. Um, not sure. Darren Lockyer. I love Darren Lockyer. I was fortunate enough to play for him in the World Cup. Um, Jonathan Thurston. Um, yeah, th- those those are the probably standouts. And, and Joey, um, they're, they're the three. They're the three big ones. And, um, you know, to play alongside them each and every week would have been would have been unbelievable. But um, yeah, but I was lucky enough to to travel with them in that in that World Cup. So got to spend a bit of time and had Joey as as my halves coach. So um, I worked with them, but yeah, not not playing alongside them each and every week. How did you uh, find Joey as a halves coach? Yeah, very good. He was um, him and um, and then I had Matty Johns also at a time. So. Love working with them, and they had some some great little ideas and tips. So it was, it was it's always interesting to see how other people go about their business. I uh, I thank you for joining me today. I appreciate the time you've given. I've got a, I've got a few mates that are pretty keen Raiders fans, and I mentioned you were coming on. And fuck, I got absolutely flooded with questions. The Lime Green faithful absolutely love you. Yeah, I love them too. Obviously, uh, enjoyed my time at the Raiders, and and um, yeah, love talking footy. Could be on here forever. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, and let's go to the Green Machine this weekend. All the best, mate. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, mate. Thanks for joining us again on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Stay tuned this week. We've got plenty more pods coming out. I've got a pretty busy three or four weeks at work, so I'll be trying to churn out as much as I can. The content might not be as high as the last few weeks, but I'll do my very best. I know for sure we're going to have our Teamless Tuesday review, hopefully with Natty coming on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday or Thursday, we'll have our Minutes That Matter podcast, along with our Fan Is Short for Fanatic podcast. I've got Steve, who is a mad Cronulla Sharks fan, so we had a great chat, starting from his earliest memories in the late 90s, all the way to the grand final and all the way to the modern day team, which is turning into be they're a little bit of a mystery bag the Cronulla Sharks I mean everyone thinks they're sort of at the bottom of the eight which is fair but they're the sort of team you don't want to play a lot of big forwards with a lot of offloads in them with guys like Sean Johnson and Matty Moylan as I said at the start of the year they're my smoky and I still think they're a real smoky this year they're the sort of team you don't want to play because with these rules and if they get on the front foot they could be anything on any day. It's a great chat with Steve. I know you'll enjoy it. Thanks for your support, as always. Remember to keep kicking to corners and always play smart footy. Listener.